How are we doing, freestylers? It's your buddy Gavin here with the little filibuster freestyle mega podcast in honor of and in tribute to Red Sox great and the recently retired David Big Poppy Ortiz. Uh, you'll hear from our buddy Jeremy Johnson of mancookgood.com and Instagram fame, our, our buddy Andrew Patterson as well, two of the bigger Red Sox fans in our filibuster freestyle pundit universe. Um, before we get into that, a couple of announcements. Number one, Likely going to go out of order. I did. I, I interviewed Jeremy first and interviewed Andrew tonight, and a very a hilarious, sleep-deprived session ensued. Probably going to flip it and go with him first because at least Jeremy's answers uh, may carry a little bit more uh, analysis and sincerity after we get you guys chuckling, hopefully, a little bit uh, in your car or on the train or on your walk to work whenever you listen to the freestyle. Uh, a couple things about the freestyle and about team players like David Ortiz. Uh, y'all have been a great team in terms of listening to the show, giving us ideas, being on the show, sharing it with your friends, etc. I just want to say thank you and also just say as we go into the holiday season here, uh, really want to try to bump up our listenership and give the gift of the freestyle, which uh, that's not going to cost anybody any money. All you got to do is help me out by checking out filibusterfreestyle.com, asking your friends to do the same, letting me know how we can make the, the site better, more viable, more interesting. Follow us on Twitter, at Gavin Viano. Go on Google or Bing or you know ask Jeeves, whatever you want to do. Google the term filibuster freestyle. You'll find us and be able to subscribe to us all over the web. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. Uh, follow us on all of them. Retweet our stuff. Like our stuff. Share our stuff. We really appreciate it. It helps others find the show. Also, if you can, if you have iTunes, please subscribe to our feed on iTunes. Please leave a review or rate us. Super important for others uh, if they want to find us. They can't find us. They don't know about us. Y'all know some people. If you like to freestyle, thanks a lot for doing so, and thanks a lot for sharing it. And if you can leave a review on iTunes, like I said, other people can find it. think that's it for the announcements. Big Poppy Megacast coming your way. Thanks for being a part of it, baby. Let's go. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to go from man cook good to two men who cook mediocre. That's me, still, your buddy Gavin, and of course, Andrew Patterson. What's up, buddy? He surely did. He, the pop. I think you just said the poppy love he deserves, and I just want to let that one linger for a minute. Mic drop yeah. and fade to black. That was awesome. Yeah. So you started with the sorry, I missed the official three-way podcast, and you ended with the official poppy love he deserves, and somehow it's still a family podcast because you're yeah, a genius. You know what happens to everybody? You start a sentence, you have no idea where it's going. The good news is that's literally how the filibuster freestyle got its name because we all know uh, I am one to do that myself and I'm not going to throw stones when I live in a glass house of podcast love. See, I used, I did it right there. Anyway, okay, speaking of podcast love, we're going to give some more podcast love to the great 
David Ortiz, the aforementioned Big Poppy, number 34. Um, you were not able to make last night's show because you had a screening party of some sort for episode three of Westworld, which you and I are doing a sometimes weekly podcast on. Where, do you care to tell who you watched it with, or is that top secret? Well, it's not top secret. That's just, um, that's silly, but it's not podcast interesting worthy either. Okay, so just, just run of the mill, run of the mill Westworld deal, yeah. People who watch Westworld, yeah. Well, so I like that. You like a, uh, you know, what are they called? Cosplay, come in costume, and, um, you know, three episodes in, already dress up. By the way, it would be really early to be going to a costume play viewing of episode three, series, right. season one of Westworld. I'm really glad you didn't do that. That being right. said, I'd say sometime around season two, episode three, feel free to go to one and you can do a live pod from that. I mean, that would be, that would be podcast worthy. No sure. question. Okay. Good job there. All right, buddy. Let's talk Red Sox. Now, I took to Jeremy last night, you and he. Uh, albeit not together, are two of the guys who talk all summer in that closed, no, no longer secret, as I outed Jeremy's uh, Red Sox Anonymous closed chat room on Facebook. Um, you know, you guys are amongst the Red Sox Anonymous posters who post the most. Uh, well, and his buddy, um, not Kenny Florian. But Dan something. Oh, Dan Mattioli. Dan Mattioli. I don't, I don't know you, Dan Mattioli, but God bless you for posting in Red Sox Anonymous all summer. Shout out to Dan Mattioli, also blowing his spot up for being in Red Sox Anonymous. Let's go, Danny. <laughs> all right, anyway, we're off topic, but that's what, that's what it's all about. Let's talk about this. I already told the people my favorite, like, three poppy memories. Uh, I will interject them if I need to, if you're drawing blanks, but... Um, Give me, give me like one of your favorite poppy memories off the bat. If you have multiple, that's awesome too. What, what's your what's your favorite all time memory? Well, there's no debate. There's no question in mind that the greatest poppy moment is 2004 ALCS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not going to be cop. What he did in games four and five, but game four, particularly after the David Roberts stolen base, um, Dave Roberts, you know, that's in the pantheon of great moments in all of Boston sports, regardless of the player, regardless of the team, regardless of whatever. So that one can't be touched. Correct. I will say, and I'm sure you and Jeremy talked about that moment, it could, you know, uh, it could be talked about... Ad nauseum. In fact, ad nauseum. Far as, I can, far as I'm concerned, that... Well, let me just do this, because I said this once before, but... Maybe just this bears this bear some fun repeating because I give my friends in Philadelphia a little fun. Um, so my friend and yours, Colleen Kanai, BK now, Colleen Spagnolo, her now husband, Steve, when they were dating, he tried, he's a huge Philadelphia Flyers fan. And the year was like 2009 or 10. Okay. 10, definitely, actually. And, and Steve tried to tell me that when the Bruins blew a three-game series lead in the semifinals to the Flyers, that was the greatest – Sports comeback in the history of sports comebacks, arguably. And I said, sorry, Spags, I just met you, but I'm about to scream at you, Gab Money Style, in a bar full of people because it is the Red Sox 2004 ALCS. And oh, by the way, they exercised an 86-year World Series drought, and the Flyers didn't even win the Stanley Cup. They lost to the Blackhawks in seven games. Eat it! Rival. That is the stuff of, of sports legends. And Poppy did it, man. Poppy, Poppy Dave did. Roberts, 
who is one of many Red Sox alumni involved prominently in this round of the playoffs right now uh, yes. in, in, the, in, the, in what is the semifinals, the LCS edition of the 2016 playoffs. Maybe we'll touch on that a little. Anyway, no question about it that if Tom Brady and Adam Vinatieri and Ty Law and the 01 Patriots, um, if they began what was the renaissance of Boston sports, uh, it would not have been complete if the Red Sox never won one World Series. And, and, and David Ortiz factors into that as big as anybody else. Absolutely. Okay. So then my personal, my, my personal favorite David Ortiz memory yep. Home run off, of the, in the, off the Detroit Tigers. Oh, yeah. That made it on mine. That was one of mine. I was there. I was at You were there? I was there. Oh, absolutely. I've been very spoiled when it's come to go into Red Sox games. And that, that is one of the top of all time. So that moment, just being there for it, um, adds that, you know, special sauce if you will I don't know we're already working we're already working real close to the line here we're definitely both a little sleep deprived it sounds like so yeah that special sauce (laughs) a certain je ne sais quoi if you will this this is really we are really giving the filibuster freestyle it's name tonight dude we're taking it back to it's roots we are taking the show back to it's roots by the way go ahead sorry no I was going to say I mean it's now dawning on me why you know, um, people don't have work meetings at 9 o'clock in the evening on Monday nights. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense when we do this on a Sunday afternoon, doesn't it? But I will say, really quickly, since we are living up to the name of the show, filibusterfreestyle.com is where you can find us on the web. Not for you, you know that, but for the listeners. And also, so do us all a favor. Go on iTunes, search Filibuster Freestyle, subscribe to the feed, and leave a review because it's going to help other people find the excellent late-night banterings of two middle-aged madmen and all my other friends. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Anyway. Oh, for sure. And, all right. Um, Do you have a third favorite memory from Big Poppy? Because I agree with that one as well. Well, how is it – I mean, how is – I mean, I don't want to go non-game-related on you, but how is it not this is our ethics city? Well, you know what's really funny is you literally did my exact three, and we, we, did, not, we did not talk about this. We did not talk – the show info for the, the regular filibuster freestyle listeners and this goes back to our doing a tv show together in college yep. well over a decade ago yes i am notorious for my lack of show prep yep you are uh you you are you are actually uh, I, I hasten to make this comment because i know that you don't politically align with this person but uh the way donald trump prepares for presidential debates is how you pr- you prepare for these shows which is 100%. let's just see what happens <laughs> Hey <laughs> Just because I was sniffling last week and we did talk about him and his debates, I just don't want this to become a recurring theme where people read between the lines. I was going to say, you are not sniffling this week, so that's good news uh, yeah. for, for all of us. Anyway, all right. But I had the exact same memories. And the only thing that I want to remind people of, because I already said it with JJ and what will likely be earlier in the podcast, is not only was the, the homer that Poppy hit uh, in the 2013 ALCS Unbelievable because he was batting 091 for the series, but still found a way to hit a clutch home run. Um, he then decided to get really hot and hit 688 in the 2013 World Series, and basically they kept pitching to him, and he kept knocking the crap out of the ball. Um, yeah. And he also, and Jeremy told me this too, because that was the one World Series of the three they've won that they actually lost the game. Um, and I remember Big Poppy had to go and like call the guys in the dugout and basically be like. Um, 
you guys better get it together because we're winning this World Series. And so get your heads out of your proverbial rear ends and let's do it. And I forgot about the pep talk, which is pretty cool, too. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, so what did Jeremy have in there that we did not, not that we need to review at all? And Because I'm racking my head. I'm trying to, I'm trying, I want to make a guess. Yeah, dude, it was about the same, honestly. Um, I, the only thing that I don't – JJ might have had something different. Oh, you know what it was? I, got, I have it. I have it. So uh, he did not necessarily go with the this is our effing city, which to your point a minute ago was bigger than baseball anyway. Um, yeah. Apparently Jeremy was in the stands in 2000 and I believe three when Poppy hit his first Red Sox home run ever in Anaheim against the Angels in the 14th inning of obviously a tight ball game. Yeah. And yeah, so, so Jeremy – yeah, yeah, so retroactively Jeremy realizes that he was at what was at the time – a quasi-special moment that was actually a harbinger of things to come for the next 15 yeah. years. So that was pretty cool. Jeremy Johnson adding a little dash of sentimentality. Hello! Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about this really quickly. You've been a fan for a long time. You said earlier yourself you've been to a number of games. You follow the team closely. Uh, Jeremy and I went into it a little bit last night, but actually his audio cut out for a while, so I had to kind of do the old Gav Money vamp session. Yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, I went into the fact that there was at least twice during Poppy's career when I was like, I'm not really sure he's going to become Poppy again. I thought he was done. And I was wrong, clearly, because he just had his like, best season ever at age 40. Um, did you or do you remember when you thought Poppy was going to fall, was falling off, or were you ever worried, and can you extrapolate? Well, yeah, I mean, for the last few years, and, and this year was a notable exception, where he had got up to a very slow start, and they kept continuing to push later and later into the year. So yeah. it was a slow, slow April that then became a slow April and May, that then became slow April, May into June. Um, and you kind of question, and I think this is a big reason he, he's going to retire and he really won't come back, is his, his knees are junk. Yeah. And his, um, you know, so you kind of just thought the natural progression of age. Yeah, I thought a few years ago, I, I figured he would make it till about now. He'd finish his contract out. I did not think he'd finish it out. And I, don't, and I think anybody who tells you they did think he'd finish it out like this is a liar. Um, I certainly didn't see him finishing it out like this. Yeah, I just... There's how a, awesome is it that he did? It's unbelievable. I mean, well, you know what it is? It's, it's the guy kept doing things that nobody thought he would be able to keep doing. <laughs> Whether it was clutch hits or clutch home runs or clutch speeches during the aftermath of terrorist attacks or just finding a way to have like a top three season ever for himself at the age of 40 and basically having the best season ever for a guy 40 plus. Um, Boom. Roasted. Storybook storybook character. And that's one of the great things that I I hope people don't, don't don't forget is that we literally got treated to a legend of the game. No question. For us, we're, you know, that's why there's the bridge named after him right after. That's why his numbers retired right away. Like, you don't see these guys. You can go a lifetime and maybe see one of these guys play for your hometown team. Yeah. You know, my, our parents who are in their late 60s, you know, they saw Ted Williams when they were real little. Correct. Correct. And they went all the way. Yes, you had Carl Yastrzemski. You had, like, you had guys, but they weren't David Ortiz guys. And if Pedro had spent his whole career in Boston, yeah. and getting to end, I know David Ortiz had that short stint in Minnesota. That doesn't really count, you know? No, because he wasn't David Ortiz yet. Right. And Manier Mears had a little bit in Cleveland yes. before. But David Ortiz is, I mean, we, you know, he's it. He is, he is 
the pinnacle of, of Boston Reds. Not, not the pinnacle, but he is, a, you know, maybe not the best player the Red Sox have ever had. Right. But maybe the most important player the Red Sox That's well said. I think that's that's a good place to kind of hang it. And the only thing I would say that I said, and it bears repeating, and it's crack research team-based evidence, uh, so it could be wrong, but I think the only person who played for the Red Sox who won more titles was one George Herman Babe Ruth. Um, and, of course, Babe Ruth then yeah. won a million titles with the Yankees, and therefore he's a Yankee. He's not a Red Sox. Like, he, right, like it's part of the lore. He's a Yankee. So, to your point, the greatest winner in Red Sox history, uh, aside from the greatest player ever, essentially, you know, because Babe Ruth is literally a world-class pitcher, hitter, whatever. Yes. We saw him play. We saw him play, like, in our, in our 20s and into our 30s. It was awesome. All right, cool. Yep. So, uh, go ahead. This is a- Another topic, but as a Red Sox fan, and this will, like, you know, we can connect this to the League Championship Series a little bit. I, I've, I've had this discussion with people before, and I really think we hit the perfect spot for Red Sox fandom in terms of the timeline of our life. Yes. We got, like, we waited until our 20s for them to win something, but we are still at that point, like, you know, when you're early 20s, college. Where it means college, a lot, yeah. It means a lot, and you can dedicate all the time you need. Seven. Right to, to watching to watching sports, just the time you can't dedicate anymore when you get older, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're not like the spoiled generation, like the kids now who have grown up. And yeah, they expect to win every other year. They expect it, and I think that takes some of the fun out of it. Yeah, sure. So I, I think that's that whole O four team. Will you'll always look back on fondly? Ortiz, big part of that, but to connect it to in a way, you almost get jealous. Not, not, not really do, but almost get jealous of Cubs fans this year if they manage to pull it off because you know how much that 2014 means to you, to Red Sox fans, to this, to this region. Oh, yeah. And the Cubs are going to get it done one of these years. I'm hoping it's this year. Um, and you're almost jealous just to, you know, you kind of revisited that with all of David Ortiz's goodbye tour. They kept how many times... And at a certain point, you roll your eyes. How many times can you bring up the 2004 World Series team? Right. I think it's really not enough. I, I am all for the savvy sentimentality. Yeah. Bring up the 2004 Boston Red Sox World Series team anytime you want. No question about it. I mean, those guys are they're, they're the immortals. You know, they get to be the immortals, and that's cool. Um, yeah, okay, so let's let's talk about the ALC, the AL and the NLCS, really. So you've got uh, Red Sox DNA. Not to be a, a homer, but it's just true. All over these, all over this. Yeah, well, it's what anybody's going to do. You're going to look at where your own guys went. But you've got, I mean, last night the Cubs lost to the Dodgers on a one nothing gem by Clayton Kershaw. Who hit the home run? Former Red Sox stiff Adrian Gonzalez. Um, you know, the manager uh, of the Dodgers. The aforementioned base-stealing aficionado Dave Roberts. Um, but let's go to the Cubs. Theo is the architect. Uh, if, yeah. if Theo gets this done, he will literally have built the uh, – people forget that the White Sox had a long drought too, but essentially the two greatest droughts of all time, Theo would have been the guy who ended them both in terms of an architect standpoint. Phenomenal. Yes. And then on the flip side, in the American League, you've got Tito Terry Francona, who frankly, now that they swept the Red Sox, how do you not root for Tito to win a World yeah. Series in Cleveland? The only reason I wouldn't is because Cleveland's about to get a little taste of what it's like to be Boston, which means – I don't want you to win. You won the NBA championship. You've had a good year already. Screw you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and that's right. But kind of, don't you want another city to get that little bit? No question. Answer? And that's actually why I'm okay you with it. Taking off Boston, like, 
we're no longer like the. I actually acting like we're the city's million percent, million percent, because I actually think Cleveland fans they take such pride out of their like the. They literally are us ten years later. Like we took so much pride in in never winning and still loving our teams, and they've taken that mantle. And then they won that one in the spring with LeBron, and they could win another one here with Tito and the boys. And if they do, you're right. They are now the new city of champions, and we can maybe take a little breather, and they'll get they'll get to feel what the backlash is like. Because that feels pretty sweet, too, when you wear, like, a Celtic shirt in a bar in, like, I don't know, Texas, and someone, like, spills it on you because you don't like them. You don't like no Boston sports fans. I mean, that's going to happen to you, Cleveland. Eat it. I hope you, I, you – Don't eat it, by the way, Cleveland. Sorry. Because you can edit, right? You can edit. Yeah. You want to tell a story that maybe you want to edit out of this, okay? All right. So hopefully you've done the, uh, you know, all right. So Can't make story. any promises. Uh, we went to New York City and I believe... Oh, no, 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 no. You can't tell the story. I'm not going to edit this out. No, 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 no. <laughs> was that 2005? It was 04. It was right after the World Series. It was 04. Okay, so it was. I didn't know if it was like January or February of 05. Well, maybe it was. It was right after the World There was not another baseball season yet. We were still the champs. No, it was the same season. They had just won. I just want to say, disclaimer, because it's a fun story. I was absolutely unaware of what was going on until it was too late. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Clearly. So, uh, were we in Rockefeller Center? Yeah, we were in Midtown Manhattan. We were in Midtown Manhattan on like Lexington... Yeah, we were in the 50s. We saw Spike Lee. He did not like your Red Sox hat at all. No, Spike Lee did not. And I, and I mean mugged Spike Lee with my Red Sox hat. That's awesome. That's a, how that became the B part of the story. <laughs> mug Spike Lee with a Red Sox hat shows you how well the A part of the story is. But I really think we were walking out of the, like, by the uh, ice skating rink. Yeah, yeah, we were, we, were in mid, we were in Midtown. Yeah, I agree. We were, we were in Midtown. And yeah. Now, people who are not from Boston and, um, and haven't been a Bostonian in New York after realize just how desperately you wanted to wear a Red Sox hat or shirt proudly in Manhattan in Manhattan and not get grief and this is it so I finally could so I decked out in all the Red Sox gear I could find for this weekend trip to New York oh boy and I'm you know <laughs> chest out head up walking around just nobody can say anything to me until uh, one gentleman harasses me in Rockefeller Center and I look to say something and then I clearly see this man is developmentally delayed um give him you know he you wanted and I just kind of smiled and took it you know the guy was having a good time he wasn't being mean he was trying to give me a you know a good time good razzing as it were yeah trying to be a good sport I take it until one Gavin Viano decides he needs to defend my honor and the Red Sox honor and I yelled at him a little bit. <laughs> yelled at him a little bit until I believe it also dawned on Gaffin Piano who we were dealing with, at which point he just went white and stopped and we immediately ushered ourselves out of Rockefeller Center. I mean, I th- yeah. The problem was I was so – I was not wearing the Red Sox stuff, but yeah. I was afraid we were going to get into a fist fight the entire time I was walking next to you. And I thought Spike Lee was going to smack us until we, I realized that Spike Lee is – no offense, Spike. Much smaller than both of us. He's not a very big guy. He is. Also, I, I'm willing to admit that part might have been built up a little bit in our memories, but I really don't think so. I really remember Spike Lee giving me the one up and down. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Because, let's, let's be honest. I believe I had Red Sox shirt 
maybe a sweatshirt. I mean, I was doing everything. No, you you literally you literally just forgot your Red Sox pajama flannel pants, and you would have been head to toe. So anyway, I would have been head to toe. And so anyway, I'm already keyed up, and then I hear a guy making fun of you, and I'm just kind of like, I'm gonna let this guy know what's up. And before I knew what happened, I realized too that he he was not exactly. Uh, yeah, he was developmentally delayed, and I and I felt really badly, and I still do. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> okay, and that's why feel free to edit this out later. It, it is like I'm not encouraging people to do this. It's just one of those moments where your foot absolutely goes in your mouth. Yeah, in your mouth. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, that was that was 12 years ago, and I've grown up a lot since then. And, and I always look before I leap nowadays. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, good times. All right, who do you want to win the World Series? If I mean, again, it, it could be four teams. It could be the Blue Jays. It could be the Dodgers. Let's face the facts. Everybody wants, everyone wants the Indians. Everyone wants the Cubs. Descending order, yeah. Cubs one, Indians two, um, Dodgers three, and not even a distance three, distant three. Okay. Um, Why? Dave Roberts. Okay, cool. Dave Roberts has won my heart. Whoa, so, I love it. Uh, yeah, I, love, I mean, Dave Roberts is the man. So, and Clayton Kershaw is just an unbelievable pitcher. How do you not love watching Clayton Kershaw pitch? If you're no, a baseball fan. no question. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, and then, so my fourth choice would be... Um, the Jays. Well, no, losing my right leg. <laughs> and then my fifth choice would be the Jays. Why are you so upset with the Blue Jays besides... Who likes the Blue Jays? Who uh, likes Joey Bats and the Blue Jays? Nobody. Not even people in Toronto really go to the Blue Jays games unless it's actually the playoffs. Correct. Correct. So um, that's fair. Okay, I, I have no problem with that. Well, all right. So you want you want Cubs over Indians? I want Cubs over Indians. Yeah, and I want it in seven games, and I want it to be a phenomenal World Series. That'd be fantastic. Baseball here on out. I will say this though, and I love Theo, and I'll always love Theo, and this is like picking between children, but. The way Terry Francona was mistreated on his way out of Boston, uh, I would yeah. love for him to have swept the Red Sox on way on the way to ending the Indians drought. Um, yeah. Because as much as I love the fact that this Red Sox ownership group is as responsible for the World Series championships as Theo was for the first two, as Tito was for the first two, um, dude, Tito, like, the Red Sox could have never recovered from that 03 ALCS loss to the Yankees. And they won the World Series the next year in Tito's first year. Like, yes. masterclass managing job. Masterclass. And for the Sox to tarnish him on the way out of town, not cool by a long shot. Um, well, I'll tell you, there's out of those three teams, though, each, the, well, out of those four teams, three of those teams have really good storylines going for them. You have the Cubs, who are a perennial great storyline until they break their throat. Yep. Indians breaking their drought would also be a good storyline. Yeah. You know, yep. you the Frank Kona time. And then the Dodgers, Vin Scully's last year, Vin Scully is like, when people think of baseball broadcasting, Vin Scully should be the man that comes to mind. He's literally the guy. This is his last year. For the Dodgers to win one for him, I think that'd be a pretty cool story, too. Yeah, literally the guy. No question. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing. Any, all right. You agree that Poppy's a Hall of Famer, correct? Yes. Do you think? And, and I, let's and, and don't even bring up the PEDs. No, I wasn't. No, no, no. I, I don't think. I, just I, mean, I believe a lot of those guys who are being blackballed for PEDs are Hall of Famers anyway. So Correct. 
on, on every merit, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. Now, my, 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 my question, my real question is, do you think it's a foregone conclusion that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or are the writers going to blackball him a little bit? It, it should be. Um, here's the other thing that's, that simply is, I think David Ortiz was also very good to the writers. Yes. Um, and very nice to the writers. And, and that uh, goes a long way with them, which is unfortunate. It shouldn't when you're voting into like something that's supposed to be statistically measure how good you are at your craft or at your sport. Correct, correct. But uh, David Ortiz, I think, has a better shot than some of those other guys. Indeed, the, the evidence against David Ortiz isn't as... Uh, oh, it's not damning at all in, in, in comparison at all. Not at all. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, man, I love it. That's a good answer. Uh, JJ was a little bit more wary that they, the writers would bust his chops, but JJ and I both agreed, no way the guy's not getting into Cooperstown. All right, man. I'll get us out of here on that. Stick around. You and I may have to do an emergency episode three of Westworld, but thanks for being on the Big Poppy Tribute Show. And he got all the poppy love he deserved. Andrew Patterson, thanks a lot, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we're doing a mega cast to celebrate a mega Red Sox superstar, the great Big Poppy, number 34, in your hearts. No, wait, number one in your hearts. Number 34 in your program. And number one in my heart right now, Jeremy Johnson from the West Coast. What's up, my man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Gav. How you doing? I'm great. I uh, couldn't have thought of one or two better people to talk about the legacy of David Ortiz than you and Andrew Patterson. We'd hoped to get you guys together, but due to the space-time continuum known as Pacific Coast time versus uh, Eastern Standard time or Daylight time, we couldn't do that. So we're, we're mashing this up, but you are the creator of uh, a very secretive or at least a closed uh, Facebook group called uh, Red Sox Anonymous. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And I figure anybody who <laughs> Exactly. Well, anyway, that's a closed group, so y'all can't find it. But Red Sox Anonymous, is it definitely helps me stay in, in, t- in touch with Red Sox fandom throughout the summer, spring and fall, uh, every Red Sox season. And uh, you and I have been watching Red Sox together or apart for a long time. And again, uh, we basically spent our entire adulthoods watching David Ortiz play baseball for mainly the Red Sox, if not the Twins. So um, glad you're going to be on here for this. I guess really we can start with, maybe we can trade off on maybe some of your top memories of Big Poppy's career. I've got three that I've written down. I don't know if you have, have any you've written down you want to start with. talk about David Ortiz without talking about the 2004 American League Championship Series. Yep. Um, those are those are kind of the easy ones, and, and, you know, we can all benefit by watching uh, Four Days in October, you know, every year or two, just to refresh our memory of how intense and how ridiculous that was. Um, but in, in researching this, I, I got to laugh because his first home run for the Red Sox, you know, in 2003, he was... Still coming off the bench, he wasn't mm-hmm. really um, a legend with us yet. 2003 is really when this all started to turn around. Yes, and and he got a home run against the Angels on Sunday at baseball in the top of the 14th. He went off Oak Field for a go-ahead home run. Okay, as he as he rounds the bases, um, ESPN gets uh, you know a shot of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, Benifer! And Philo pointing at Ortiz. And it, I mean, it, it's interesting to think, like, for as clutch as he's been his whole career, his first home run with us was, uh, you know, a game-winning home run in the 14th inning. So the guy has basically been ice in his veins from the moment we got him. He's been clutch the whole time. That's that's amazing. And what's also amazing is 
like David Ortiz started playing for the Sox when Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were dating. That's phenomenal for all kinds of reasons. Just like it's been a long, strange trip for Benifer, for them as they split, for you and I, and for David Ortiz since 2003. Phenomenal. Phenomenal stuff. Um, so one of my favorite memories, and I think we, we definitely will get into the 04 ALCS on its own in a second, but clearly those 24 hours there, and I believe games, what was it, I guess three and four, four and five, I guess, um, dynamite, top of the list, and we'll get to that, but uh, I think we'd all be remiss if we didn't put in the, the pantheon of great David Ortiz moments, uh, something that had nothing to do with playing, but it was his... Famous, this is our effing city line after the marathon bombings. Um, you know, that that team in 2013, I mean, they, they basically bookended or the, the bookends of that season were a last place finish in 2012, a last place finish in 2014. And somehow that team really galvanized after that tragic event, which is hard to do for all kinds of reasons. But the capstone is not for me uh, – Hacksaw Johnny Gomes being Mr. Tough Guy. It's actually David Ortiz, and this is our effing city. So that's one for me, uh, especially having, you know, I was still living in the Boston area at the time. Uh, that's pretty much what everybody needed to hear that day. And uh, it might have been the only time that everybody unilaterally said the F bomb was totally worth using and totally appropriate to use. So props to David Ortiz for not family podcasting Friendly Fenway Park that day and dropping an F bomb all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I did, um, you know, I, man, he also had in uh, game four of the World Series in St. Louis in 2013 when he brought everybody together in the dugout mm-hmm. and just started ripping them yep. and telling everybody they got to get their bleep together. And um, and that was that was like the turning point because they didn't lose the game. Uh, they, uh, they, I believe they won game four and five and then they clinched in game six. They, um, they were on the brink in that moment. And, they were. And Hexon Johnny Gomes kept a three-run homer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in that series, David Ortiz, he, I mean, he was unconscious. That entire off-season, or uh, season he was unconscious. But, I mean, he was batting like 700, and they kept pitching to him. Yeah. In games four and five, he was six for seven. You know, he hit, oh, here, here's the, I found it, my crack research team. He hit 688 yep. in the World Series. I had that too. 688. Yeah. That's and that. To him. So you know, special assist to who was it? Matheny. Uh, it was Matheny. Hey, Matheny. Yeah. Uh, you're no Tony Larusa, sir. You're no Tony Larusa. I do Tony Larusa, and you are. Not you, him. sir, are no Tony Larusa. <laughs> I was getting texts from friends who are not Red Sox fans who were like, "Stop pitching to him. Stop." And then boom, he get another hit or he crank a home run. I mean, the guy was completely out of his mind. Yeah, I had that in my notes. And, but actually, what, what's interesting, and that ties to one of my other – well, first of all, I forgot – I had forgotten until you just said that, that he actually called the whole team into the dugout and said everything you just said. So thank you for that, uh, capturing that, because I had forgotten that. And that was huge. You're right. He literally was the elder statesman and was like, listen, everybody, I'm 2-0 in World Series. We're going 3-0. We're winning this World Series. So everybody better get on, the back, get on right now. Um, before they got to that World Series, though, here is – um, what I think is amazing, you mentioned that he batted 688 in that World Series. He was the MVP of that World Series. Phenomenal stuff. However, he batted 091 in the ALCS versus the Tigers. He, he, but he did hit that home run where the cop 
became famous for putting his arms up in the air. He hit it into the bullpen. I think one of the Tigers guys fell into the bullpen trying to catch it. Like, he got enough lumber on it to get it into the, the visiting bullpen. They won the game. The Tigers pitching was lights out in that series. They somehow, like, Ortiz got, like, two hits that whole series. They were both home runs. They were both clutch. Phenomenal. Now, the reason I remember that, besides the fact that it propelled them to the World Series, where he crushed it and was the MVP, is that the everybody's favorite Drilling Threes pundit, Roscoe P., was on uh, – we, we were – Drilling Threes was playing an acoustic set in Northampton at a place uh, – I don't remember what it was called. It doesn't really matter what it was called. The bottom line is uh, we were <laughs> – it's really hard to play a show during playoff baseball in New England because basically you have to not <laughs> – you have to not play songs when your team is hitting and maybe play a song or two while your team is pitching unless something bad happens. So essentially you take like a – 75-minute set break, and then the game ends, and you get to play. And we were really bummed out because we're like, wow, the Sox are going to go down like 3-0. We're going to be playing for a bunch of hippies and townies in Northampton who already hate us because we're trying to play songs during the the commercial breaks, and this is going to be miserable. And Poppy went deep. Sox won. Everybody wanted to hear Julian Threes play acoustic songs after that. And my favorite part about the story was that it was 2013, which means Get Lucky by Daft Punk with Pharrell was the biggest song in the world besides Blurred Lines. And Roscoe and I changed the words to We Up All Night for Big Poppy instead of We All Up All Night to Get Lucky. So uh, Big Poppy helped us write a song that night. He helped us have a good gig that night. And um, again, batted 091 in that series, but came through in the clutch not only for himself and his city, but for Drilling Threes. Thank you very much. We skipped ahead to my sleeper favorite David Ortiz moment of all time. Because, you know, in 2004, I was basically in a fog for, you know, 10 days. I, I couldn't believe it was happening. And then by the time it actually happened, I was like, is this what it feels like? I mean, it just it, it just was unbelievable, the 2004, the whole run. I mean, we're yes. obviously surprised. We were all just manic, and everybody was doing their thing, and it was complete mayhem. But it was in this, like, quiet zone where, you know, it was just happening, and I was just bearing witness to it. In 2007, we had the best team in baseball, wire to wire, and to now win the World Series would be a disappointment because the team was so excellent. Yeah. In 2013, they kind of came out of nowhere. They had a team that, you know, they just kept building them. They just kept showing, you know, some guts and some, some, you know, clutch and, you know, the willingness to fight it out, and they never really gave games away, and they never really, you know had games like this year's team did where they didn't even show up. They right. didn't show up every single game. And then, you know, we get the Tigers series and they lost the first game one to nothing. And yeah. you say Ortiz yeah. at point six eight. I think the entire team probably bet eleven point six eight, right? Correct. Then it's five to one, two outs in the eighth inning of game two. Okay. Justin Verlander's coming in at game three. He's a stud. It, I mean this is Justin Verlander like Almost at his peak. This you is know, Justin Verlander, like dating Kate Upton and getting it done on the mound. They're Justin Verlander. Yes. And then he hits that grand bleeping slam over the wall, which leads to David O'Brien's best call of his career, which then leads to Dornarsillo eventually being, you know, fired and sent to San Diego <laughs> to flounder and baseball, you know, baseball purgatory. Yeah, right. Yeah. And although, I mean, God, I mean, if you're going to be in 
purgatory. It might as well be sunny in 75, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get Steve Horgan, the cop, the bullpen cop, with his arms up in the air. And then you get my favorite is Joe Castiglio on the turn in the punch bowl after David O'Brien's, you know, call for the ages. Instead of just letting it settle, Joe Castig's like, and Torrey Hunter is hurt. (laughs) He completely drops that on you, and you're like, it's one of the best calls of all time. And I'm going to try to produce this here. I'm going to try and play it for the audience, okay? All right, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your hats. Here it comes. Is it making any noise for you, JJ? Uh, all right. Looks like we're going to move on. We're going to move on. And I may, I may even need to use my garage band editing skills, which is fine. Hashtag. Uh, I got to hear it, and it was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and then at the end, you get Joe Castillo and say, and sorry, Hunter is hurt. You know what's interesting about that, that that statement, though, is that I remember correctly that whoever the player was, and it was Tory Hunter, tried to jump in the bullpen to stop the grandstand from happening and, and did get a little dinged up. Hunter, I, I mean, totally off topic, but what a gamer. I love that guy. Stud, yeah. Uh, he wanted to win that damn series almost as much as I wanted them to win it, maybe more. And um, <laughs> it just didn't work out for him. Sorry, Tory Hunter. We're sorry. But you know what? It is what it is. Um, but that took them to game three, and it just, you know, in the 2013, the whole the whole thing was just out of, the, out of this world. And it was our, you know, we had our, our completely, like, you know, crazy 2004 World Series that defies all uh, words. We got our 2007 frontrunner wire to wire, and they sealed the deal. Yep. And then we got our 2013 out of nowhere because every year a team wins the World Series, and sometimes they're not the best team in baseball. And we got that too, and that one is really special. Yeah, that one was really the capstone of the. I mean, two two was great, but to get that third and to like stretch it out to like a nine year era, basically phenomenal. Two different managers. Um, you know, a fantastic thing that, that you know, Tito Francona, and we're going to get to him in a second, uh, isn't the only guy to, alive to win a World Series as manager, which is really funny because the amount of people who dislike John Farrell because, I mean, he has come in last place a couple times as well as manager of the Sox. Um, but an unbelievable, like, that team, you had the flying Hawaiian, Shane Victorino, who won a ring in 08 with Philly. Or, no, sorry, they didn't win. Uh, they lost to the Yankees. Oh, no, they won in that. No, sorry. They won in 08. They lost in 09. Anyway, you got a winner in a flying Hawaiian. You got Hacksaw Johnny Gomes. You had all these dudes who were like – it was literally like the, the veteran grizzled team that were all taking one more shot at it, and they actually pulled it off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely had like a movie plot um, kind of – Yeah, it was like the replacements, and then you had Xander Bogarts and a couple other guys like Big Poppy. All right, back to Big Poppy. Um, any favorite memory of his or like favorite like drama like – he always had a contract dispute going every year, like a year and a half early of his contract being up. Uh, he definitely got a little irked and rankled during the Bobby Valentine year, which was a complete disaster. Um, God, he, I mean, I, I saw that coming from a mile away. Uh, any favorite favorite David Ortiz kind of being being a little ornery moments for you, or, or you just want to keep it classy and keep it positive here in the uh, afterglow? I, I loved when he smashed the, um, I he smashed the dugout phone. I think it was Baltimore. <laughs> completely bananas. Um, I feel like David Ortiz always, you know, got the ire of the um, of the negative uh, Red Sox fan. Like, oh, he's a bum, get rid of him. He's a, you know, he complains, he whines too much. And honestly, I, I mean, I know, this, you know, we're getting in deep water here, but I do think that 
as, as far as the Boston, your average Boston fan has come. We're not a racist uh, town anymore, but there are some people out there that, and this is nationwide, this is worldwide, if you have dark skin and you can put my name and you don't just say yes sir, no sir, then you're a thug or you whine or you complain too much and you're a bum. And I think that Ortiz consistently brought out some of the worst in Boston fans, even though he was so beloved yeah. that anytime he stepped out of line just a little bit, he brought on a lot of um, negative reaction. And it always shocked me because, you know, there's been nobody bigger for this team than he was. And, yeah. you know, if you start stacking up his memorable moments and you put them on, like, a YouTube video, you know, back to back to back, you're going to get a lump in your throat by the time you're done. And if you don't, then, you know, you're not really as big of a Red Sox fan as you might claim that you are. Correct. And, you know, but I, the, the thing that bugged me the most about his, his antics, the thing that he did the worst was when he went in and complained about the, uh, the official score. I just think that sometimes David Ortiz is a little bit tone deaf when it came to how the audience was going to receive him and how the media was going to portray him. And there was a few things that he did to paint him in a bad light that he could have just swallowed. You know, he didn't have to break into a press conference and start <laughs> demanding that the, the official score change something back to a hit. Right, from an error or a fielder's choice to a hit. Right, that was pretty... Was that like was that Frank Cone's last year? Was that the kind of the year where it all fell apart? You know, it might have been. It, I can't recall that. I can't either. And it could, yeah, and it could have been... Well, anyway, I, I think you made some good points there in terms of that you know, we both grew up in Boston, and I agree that Boston has uh, evolved for the better since our childhood. Um, but you are right in terms of, you know, folks probably gave him a lot of undue criticism for underlying feelings versus how they really felt. Um, and, you know, the other thing I would say about David Ortiz being David Ortiz is, like, he always walked the walk. He is the all-time – I mean, I was thinking about it today. Here's a hot take for you. The only Red Sox player in the history of the Red Sox to win more than David Ortiz is a little guy named George Herman Babe Ruth. And, oh, by the way, he's an aberration because he won even more with the Yankees. So my point is, like, David Ortiz has so many rings. He has been such a winner for a city that until 2001, when the Patriots won, had no winners since Larry Bird. So anyway, good stuff there. All right, JJ's reconnecting. Hopefully he's going to jump back in in a second. Um, I do want to hit up on a question that I'll ask Jeremy, but I'll get into it now in hopes that he'll reconnect. And that is, um, when did you think David, David Ortiz was falling off? Because I think one of the things about Ortiz was he, he kind of had this uncanny ability to start off a season really slow, but then find a way to get back. He found a way to find his, his hitting stroke, his RBI stroke. But the one thing I would say is that David Ortiz is one of those guys who in 08, after the Red Sox second World Series, he had a, a batting average fall off. He had a power fall off. His power and production fell off. And I think that's when everybody started saying, well, here's a guy complaining about his stuff. Here's a guy complaining about his stuff, and by his stuff, what I mean is, here's a guy complaining about his contract, 16 months early, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the bottom line was, he always came through. But I thought 08, and then I thought in 2012, after he got hurt with his, um, 
how do we say, he's ACL, I believe, and I was like, he's not going to recover from that. He's in his 30s. It's not going to happen. JJ, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. So we lost you for a few there, but I think I vamped okay, and, and maybe I'll even edit it out. But what I was just – What was the question? I had your audio for a while. You know, I've been switched to my phone. I'm yeah. I'm not sure what happened, but it doesn't matter. It's all good. So all I was saying, and I was kind of giving my two examples of – David Ortiz clearly is 40 – was he 40 years old, 41 years old, right? So what I was saying was, when did I think, oh man, like there's no way Poppy's going to get back to what he was in 04, 07, you know? And my my two were in 08. He had a he started off really slow. He had his production numbers were way down. His power numbers were way down. And I just figured that was the beginning of that like that three or four year tumble into him not being a very viable designated hitter anymore. And right. The only other time that I thought that was when he got hurt in 2012 and they shut him down. And I just didn't know if, if he would ever get back to that guy again because, again, he was 36 years old. His body was wearing down. He didn't seem to love the game anymore because he was playing for Bobby Valentine. But anyway, not only did he come back from the 08, he came back with a vengeance from the 2012 injury. And as we all know, because now it's over, he had basically his top three statistical year in every category ever in his 40th year as a human being and in his final year as a member of the Red Sox. So did you see or worry about him any other years besides kind of that 08 and 2012 aftermath? Well, I really worried about him because he he had a habit of starting slow, especially at the end of his career. Yes. I think it was um, was 12 and 13 or 11 and 12 and 13, but it was 11 and 12. Yeah. But he started out and he looked couldn't couldn't, couldn't hit it. That looked slow, and it looked like this might be it for him. And um, and it did really concern me. And, and I did get shades of that when um, you know in in uh, fourteen when uh, Brady started when he was struggling. In the yeah, when they were two and two. It's like man, the Kansas City Chiefs game and the Ronda Cincinnati, which we just had the Ronda Cincinnati Redux game today. Correct. But. Um, you know, you start wondering, like, when it goes for these guys, it goes quickly. And you don't often get a lot of warnings. And, you know, Ortiz is an exception, and I think Brady may prove to be an exception as well. But, um, you know, you, you wonder, like, towards the end of their, their run, like, is this when it begins? You know, you start waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I feel like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop with David Ortiz for, you know, five years. Honestly. Right, yeah. Every year, you wonder if this is the year. I think the only year that, that I wasn't worried in the last five years, like at least a little bit, was literally this year. Because one, we knew it was his last year, and two, he just got it done. Like, he just got it done. Um, yeah. All right, speaking of get it done, this, this year's team was a, a, a very much a pleasant surprise. They continued to put – kind of it was the opposite of 2013 when they kept putting pieces together and, and getting a little better and better as the year went on with old guys. This was the year they did it with young guys and really no pitching. Um and they had that 11-game winning streak, and then they kind of, like, peaked. And obviously their pitching did not do them any services last week in the playoffs. They were swept out by the Indians. Where do the Sox go from here? David Ortiz is done, as far as we all know. They've got a young lineup. Uh, where do you see the Sox going from here to replace him at DH specifically? Hanley? Well, I guess. I mean, I think they're going – Wish list is Encarnacion with the Blue Jays because this is his final year with that on this contract. And thinking is that we can offer more money than 
they can. Okay. And um, but I, you know, from the you know the, the mutterings from uh, the front office is that they're not going to have a full time DH next year. That they're going to platoon guys through it and use it as a way to get guys you know get their legs rested a little bit and um, you know go with more of a traditional what has become a traditional American League team where. You have several guys playing DH, and you just kind of mix and match based on who's pitching, who you match up well against. Okay, so that's fine, and I, and I don't have a problem with that. However, you got to bring somebody in who can hopefully mirror Poppy's production, correct? So it looks can like, you? I mean, who does? No, that's, what I'm, and that's, that's my point. Like, so who? I don't know if there's anybody you can even get. Uh, to I, think, re- I think what you can expect from the Red Sox is these younger guys – who are who are still ascending to their peak? Yeah, they will continue to improve incrementally. Yes, incrementally. Yeah. And um, you know, Hanley, you can hope that he, you know, maintains his his numbers. Although, you know, my problem with Hanley, and God, he's a great teammate, and he was a really good first baseman this year. But he he's not he's a, he's a streaky guy. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with a streaky hitter um, at all because sometimes those streaks are during the best times ever. Yes, but. Sometimes they they poop their pants a little bit when it matters the moment. <laughs> right. And you walk away from a series losing to the Indians in three games. And even though Hanley had a pretty good series in that, like you can't have your whole team loaded with streaky guys. And right. I understand baseball is a game of runs, but you know Bradley Jr. was the ultimate streaky guy, and I love Bradley Jr. and I love his work in center field, and you know I'm a big fan and big apologist for him. But at this point, I really believe they have to trade him, and when his value is as high as it's going to get, he hit nearly 30 home runs. Yeah, he hit for a pretty high batting average by the time it was over, and maybe I'll, I'll regret that. And hopefully, you can tell me that I'm an idiot one day, but. I think that this is just what he is. He's going to have some seasons where he bats, you know, like 278, 280, and he's going to have 25 home runs. And some seasons where he's going to bat like 230, and he's going to have like a dozen home runs. Right, you know? right. This, this, this could be either the awakening for him, or more likely this is going to be him reverting to the mean next year, right? So, Right, right. And because he got his, his average up with basically two big streaks in the middle of the season. You can't always count on that. Correct. And his power, you know, power's a weird thing, especially when you play in Fenway. And, I, you know, I just don't, he just doesn't look like a 29 home run a year guy. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and I think it's a good idea to get value for him. So, okay, let's do this. One more question on Poppy from me. I mean, is there any way he doesn't go into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways yeah, that happens. I, I, I do too, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 it was funny watching Major League Baseball kind of scramble right at the end there, and, you know, Manfred's out there saying how, well, the testing thing, you know, who knows what it was for. Maybe poo-pooing the, the list of anonymous testers who, you know, some tested positive and Ortiz was allegedly on this list. Yes. We don't know what it was for, and we don't know if it was actually banned at the time and you know blah 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 but basically it paints him there and honestly i mean i think that list is like absolute garbage and uh, my feelings on guys on performance enhancing drugs and baseball in the hall of fame is a completely separate podcast but i think the whole thing the sanctimonious nature of the voters is ridiculous we were all there they were all doing it yeah when when, when dudes when, when multiple dudes start hitting 60 plus and 70 plus home runs um, yeah. Clearly, clearly, it's not a juiced ball. 
I mean, yeah. the fact that we all believed that they did something to the ball and that Major League Baseball was cool with that when really it was they were doing something to themselves and, I, frankly, Major League Baseball was definitely cool with that. Like, how naive, were, how naive were all of us? I mean, and the writers were the most naive because they were there every day and they saw these guys – Foreheads getting bigger as, as well as their biceps. And like I've gotten bigger biceps and sometimes I'm getting smaller biceps, but my head has always stayed the exact same size physically. And Barry Bonds didn't, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, it, to, it, I mean, this will all change one day as the writers cycle out, but you know, I'm pretty bitter about the way these writers are handling all this. And um, I, I just don't really care for it much. But I think that Ortiz will not get in first ballot. I think because he's a DH, I think because he's a polarizing figure outside of Boston, I think that the Boston um, fans have become very uh, polarizing over time, and I think there's a lot of people that like can't stand us, and I think there's a lot of media guys that get off on like kind of playing that up. Yeah. And uh, I think it would be pretty easy for him to miss in the first ballot. Yeah, no, that's a fair answer. And actually, you just brought up a good segue, because I want to get a little bit into the, the teams that remain in the playoffs while, while I have you here, okay? Um, so you've got... Two fan bases that I think are gonna are in danger if one of them wins of automatically going from like America's sweethearts to that polarizing group that everybody's gonna hate for a while, and that will be the fans of the Indians who haven't won since I believe 1945, and of course America's darlings, the Chicago Cub fans who haven't won uh, in 108 years, 1908. Um, and if either one of those two teams wins, I think what you will have is. You know, America will root for them to win, and then after they do, as soon as those Cub hats start turning into pink Cub hats and people start seeing them all over every city in America, uh, Cubs fans are going to find out what, what it feels like to have a bullseye on your back, which, believe me, I would rather win and be polarizing than lose for 108 years in a row. Um, what are your thoughts on the fact that Theo Epstein, who helped break the curse for the Sox, is now the, the architect of the Cubs and that, ironically, Tito Francona, uh, the manager of that 04 Red Sox team, as well as the 07 team, is the manager of the Indians team. And if those two teams were to play in the World Series, one of them would basically go down as the ultimate curse breaker of all time. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's amazing. And honestly, I mean, I, I'm rooting for, at this point, I'm rooting for all four teams left in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Cubs, are, I obviously have a soft spot for the Cubs because. I know what it's like. You know what it's like. Absolutely. Most of my life. And, and I, I want them to get a taste of what we felt when we finally broke the curse. Yeah, no question. And, um, and I also, I'm tired of talking about it. No question again. Of, like, <laughs> let's move on. Right. You know, like, it's, it's like even like when, when, when the, um, Peyton Manning finally got the monkey off his back and beat the Patriots in 2006, I was like, fine, just win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm so tired of this, like, Best player to never win a Super Bowl is Dan Marino comparisons crap. Like Correct. the Cubs, like let's just move forward. It's a new century. I mean, we're we're you know like an eighth of the way through the century already. Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's it's time. Let the Cubs do it. They have the best team in baseball. And man, if they like lose in some agonizing choke artist way this time, it's just going to be so painful. But you know, we did right before we won. We lost in the most agonizing choke artist way possible, too. Yeah. So, um, I am rooting for that. I love how Theo did it. He came in, he wiped the slate clean, he got rid of everybody that cost money and was any good, and traded them away and got draft picks and built this team from the bottom up, and then he went in 
and he got Lester, and he got Lackey, and he got a bunch of guys who can pitch that are, are veterans. Yeah, the whole 2013 Red Sox are basically playing for the Cubs. Yeah, at least the pitching staff, you know, and it's another reason why we would, can like you know, three of these four teams, is especially because there's a lot of Red Sox connections there. There's a lot of guys associated with these teams that I think we all have a lot of positive feelings about. No doubt. And, um, I, you know, I'm pulling, I'm pulling for, um, for Theo, and I'm pulling for John and John and the whole group, even Madden, you know, like, yeah, Ma- yeah, Madden. Yeah, and Madden made chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? In uh, in Tampa Bay for years, and, uh, the- and he'll tell you about it too. And that's one reason why you know I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he'll tell you how smart he was every chance he gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that you know that's one of those things where he might as well get a ring for it because if he's going to tell the story anyway, you might as well believe him. Um, it's it's their time. No question. No, all right. That's that's fair. That's fair. But let's let's talk about this. So. Um, we just watched the end. I just watched the end of game two in Chicago. The, the Dodgers got a one-run homer from another former Red Sox, Adrian Gonzalez. They, they, they win one nothing. They've tied the series one-to-one, heading back to L.A. for the next, I believe, two games. Maybe it's three. I forget the format. Uh, regardless, you live in L.A. What's the vibe out there? I mean, obviously, they literally just finished game two and just tied the series. But the Dodgers haven't played in or won a World Series since 1988. So that, they're going on 20 years. Um, yeah. They've put a lot of money into this club for the last five or six years. Um, a lot of it was offloading Red Sox terrible contract in 2011. Uh, what's the vibe out there? And are you are you rooting for the Do- – I mean, if it doesn't say the Dodgers beat the Cubs, are you – I mean, I, I know you're a Sox fan. Are you in on the Dodger train? And what's the Dodger train like? Are the fans annoying? Are they not annoying? What's the deal? The thing with the Dodger fan is um – there are some really good baseball fans out here. Yeah. And, and they, you know, any real good sports fan in L.A. has a chip on the shoulder because the famous sports fan in L.A. is terrible. They show up late, they leave early, they're there to take selfies, they're <laughs> not really there to watch the game. Right. You know, and it's just there to, you know, to hashtag and have a good time, have a Dodger dog and say, ooh, I went to the Dodgers, and, you know, that's it, but... The people that I deal with day to day out in Los Angeles are LA natives who they're good fans. They know the game. They watch their team. They, yeah. they root for their team. They know a lot about the rest of the league. And in terms of rooting for the Dodgers, honestly, I just want like a good story, and you know that that would make me happy as a fan. But if the Dodgers win, it would make a lot of people that I like very happy. Yeah. So that that would make me happy, and I have seen a lot of Dodger games in Dodger Stadium. It's been Scully's last year. Yeah. And I, you know, Dave Roberts is the coach of the Dodgers. I mean, it's like the manager and, and. Yeah. How about and, that? Another Red Sox hero, Jesus Louises, man. I mean, they're everywhere. He's, he's managing really well. And he is. Clint Kershaw is the best pitcher I've ever seen, except for Pedro Martinez in like two thousand. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, that, that yeah. run that Pedro was on then is what Kershaw has been on for five, six years. Yeah, most people don't see him pitch very often because he pitches at like midnight. Yeah, they say he pitches. He pitches. Yeah, he pitches at one in the morning. Uh, what's interesting about Kershaw is I think he. Correct me if I'm wrong. He, he hasn't been as dominant in, in previous playoff years as he ha- was certainly tonight. I mean, he talked to Jim tonight. Um, I don't think he needed to exonerate himself, but tonight was an absolute statement of, like, Madison Bumgarner proportions of, uh, all I needed was that one run. Thanks, Adrian Gonzalez, because the Cubs aren't going to score tonight. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. He, you 
You know, and he gets a bad rap in that postseason thing because a part of the reason why he hasn't been known as this, like, ultra-clutch uh, postseason pitcher yeah. is because his front office, up until this year, hasn't seemed to have the ability to put together a bullpen with a scat. And, they, you know, he ends up having to stay in an inning too long. And, like, I understand that, you know, the big stud uh, Major League Baseball ace should be going nine innings of shutout ball every game <laughs> in the playoffs. But that's just not realistic. And if your guy's on the ropes, you need to be able to get him out of there yeah. instead of letting him stand out there for another inning and letting him give up the runs. And then you get the, you know, the idiot fans and you get the nationwide media, which is basically the sports media is a bunch of idiot fans. And then the narrative becomes that Kershaw can't win the big one. Well, if you took him out after seven and a third, Instead of keeping him in there for two He wouldn't get the L, right, and, right. And, and if you had a guy like Andrew Miller, for instance, who's having like a postseason for the ages, yeah. but if only the Red Sox could get a guy like him. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But if you had any guy who could come in there and get a couple outs, then Kershaw would have been a, a legend in the postseason already. Correct, okay. So, you know, he did it himself tonight. I didn't get to watch the other game. I had it on while I was making dinner, and then I was getting ready for this thing, but I'm glad that they pulled it out. And, um, and you know, now we've got ourselves a series. And they say it's not a series till you know, a team win, loses a home game. So now we've got ourselves a series. And it's time to see what the Cubs actually have. They've been running from the front the entire season. You're right. And they're supremely confident. And they're supremely um, talented. But, you know, in the postseason, you know, your butt gets a little tight. And you got to make hits that you didn't necessarily have in you before. So Correct. let's find out what they got. you got to win it. You're not going to win just by default. Right, and that and that's the thing. Sometimes these team and destinies get get, get derailed, and uh, tonight. You know better than anyone how hard it is to actually win a World Series when your team hasn't won it in like you know a dozen decades or you know I mean, <laughs> right, right. six years. You know these guys, it's like 110 or something. So. Yeah, that that pressure is real, and and I'll tell you what, those Cubs fans. You know, if tonight was Game Five instead of Game Two. Um, you know, you would have been able to feel it through the TV in the stands. You know what I mean? You can just tell when the stadium is like, oh, crap, here we go again. Um, well, you know Fox is going to be zooming in on crying people's Oh, yeah. I mean, I was having flashbacks of 2000. I was having flashbacks of 2003 just by hearing Joe Buck's voice. I mean, earlier tonight. Like, just, wow, these poor people. Like, they're freaking out of their home because Joe Buck is pandering to the curse so hard. He does not I'm even, so glad that he got over his addiction to hair plugs in time for this. My goodness. Oh, hair plugs. All right, speaking of hair plugs, um, actually, I might be lying about that, but let's talk about the – oh, my God, I'm forgetting his name. Anyway, the L.A. Rams coach, Jeff Fisher. I think he may, he, may, he may or may not plug those babies up. Regardless, sweet mullet in the back, and your L.A. Rams, weird to say, uh, are back in town. What's it like – What's it like <laughs> – being, you know, you, you know, the Rams left L.A. in 94. You were still living in Massachusetts. You've been in L.A. since, what, 01, 02? 2002. Right. So you, you are now, you know, you're a decade plus into your West Coast stint, and you now have a, a major football team, an NFL football team in your city. What has that been like for people in L.A.? It's weird to see um, Rams hats and jerseys. It's weird to see when you're checking the scoreboard or your fantasy football lineups to see at L.A. or L.A. Yeah, yeah. But L.A. is not going to be a legitimate football town until they have a decade or two of sustained, um, you know... Mediocrity, at least. Mediocrity plus 
some success. You know, they need to start. You got to start winning over kids, basically. Yes. And there are some fans out there. There are always Rams fans, but that's a minority of all minorities. Most LA um, natives who grew up um, in our demo are Raider fans. Yep. Or oddly, Steeler fans. I guess the Steelers are on TV here a lot. Yeah, and their and their fans are everywhere too. But it makes sense. They are. They they definitely are everywhere. I think any any city who has um, any cold cold weather city has great um, upcroppings of expats in these warm weather. Um, correct. Passes. Correct. Um, you see Steelers flags all over the place, and and these aren't transplants. These are like people in the valley who grew up here. Right. They just love um, it. Okay. So like those people are not just gonna like stop rooting for their team. You know, it's like people have asked me, "Oh, are you a Dodger fan now?" I'm like, "No, no right, of course not." You know, no, I get like that. a new team just because you moved, so they're they're gonna have to build it up. But I know people who have bought season tickets just for kicks, and uh, you know, it's eight games, and they split it with somebody else, and they're gone. They're gonna go to you know five, six, seven, eight, uh, you know, NFL uh, games, and they're basically going to be what the uh, Clippers were for almost their entire existence. Well, it's a great opportunity for the LA fan and the out of town fan to come and see their team play. Yeah, so it's yeah, so the expats get serviced by virtue of there being eight home games a year in LA. Right, but it's not you know it's it's been interesting listening to sports radio kind of turn the page and become a, a football town sports radio market instead of just Dodgers and Lakers. Yep, yep. And um, you know, it's a very national market as it is, so. The more, you know, turning on the radio at 6 o'clock in the morning and having them be talking about um, the Rams the Rams kind of blows my mind. Yeah, because this isn't exactly like the Kurt Warner, uh, Marshall Falk Rams. You know, this is the Case right. Keenum. What do you mean Case Keenum's still in the league and he's your starting quarterback Rams? You know? well, he had an amazing game today. He did. But the thing is, he had an amazing game today in Detroit, and then they're going to London. I mean, they played like two home games. What are we in, like week six right now? Week yeah, seven, yeah we, week seven's next week, and they're going to London, huh? And the Coliseum is a dump. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the whole experience over there is a nightmare. I know people have gone, and you're waiting like an hour for concessions. It basically has the feeling that they, like, went to Home Depot and picked up a bunch of people to work concessions there. So basically, like, it's like a giant It's like a giant high school game. Right. But the Lions Club, the Lions Club is catering these concessions. It'll become no offense a to the much Lions. bigger deal when the new... Yeah, no offense to the Lions club. <laughs> Love you guys. It'll become a much bigger deal when the new stadium goes in because the new stadium's going to be a uh, juggernaut and this whole media center. And yeah. It'll be a much bigger deal, and that'll begin the process. Correct. So this is kind of almost like a preview of what's to come, if you will. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. All right, man. Well, we'll get you out of here on that unless you have anything else. But we'll, uh, we'll really quickly, mancookgood.com, mancookgood on Instagram. What's going on there? You'll be making some... What'd you make some... Uh, Italian subs today, dude? They look good. Yeah, yeah, I made an Italian grinder for lunch. Uh, but I made it on like a like a 12-inch round uh, Italian paisano loaf. So, you know, it's like a peasant bread. Yeah. And I loaded it up. I, I got Serrano ham, which is a, you know, a Spanish ham. And I got some, uh, some salami, and I got some pepperoni, and I got some provolone, and uh I made like that like traditional shredded iceberg. Tomato. Yeah, dude, it looks so good. I mean... And uh, it was amazing, and it promptly nearly put us all down for a nap. <laughs> uh, but it tasted like Elsa's bushel and peck back at, Oh, back in Worcester. Know. And then, uh, you know, I've been really getting into, like, uh, I've been really getting into the, the fall stuff. I just made, like, a pumpkin rice and bean dish. Nice. And uh, I've been making pumpkin.
pumpkin seeds and pumpkin based dishes a lot. So um, really getting in the change of the season and even though it's still like 70 degrees here during the day, I can turn on the oven at night without being complete nice. sweat lodge. And, uh, you know, it's a great time of year to be uh, cooking your own food. There's so many wonderful ingredients and so many great preparations you can use from the grill to the touch oven. Yeah, well, this you know, so everybody, two things. Check Jeremy out, man. Cook good on Instagram. Jeremy, do me a favor. Don't make any pumpkin spice latte. That is for jerks. And um, yeah, not for me. <laughs> I, I use the real pumpkin, and I uh, no, definitely not. Good, good. And then finally, because I know you'd be you'd be mad at me if I didn't say it. Everybody, gotta subscribe to the Filibuster Freestyle feed on SoundCloud, and more importantly on iTunes. You gotta blow us up with some reviews because you can help other people find. Award-winning journalism about Big Poppy and pumpkin lattes and Italian hoagies and everything else. And hit us up on philipbusterfreestyle.com. Leave some comments there. Uh, JJ, great to have you on as always. We'll get Mr. Patterson on and we'll mash this baby up. And we'll give uh, Big Poppy this tribute he deserves for bringing not one, not two, but three World Series championships to our Boston Red Sox. Sounds great, Kev. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon.